Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, July 28th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So on Tuesday, Andrew, a coalition of booksellers, publishing industry trade associations, and advocacy groups filed a federal lawsuit seeking to strike down a controversial new book banning law in Texas. Known as the Reader Act, its most concerning provision is it requires booksellers to review and rate books as a condition of doing business with Texas schools. Yeah, some pretty big news out of Texas, and I think pretty much expected news ever since Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed the law on June 12th. Uh, As you say, the law is called the Reader Act, ironically named the Reader Act, I think. And as you note, the federal lawsuit was filed specifically to strike the law down as unconstitutional. The critics say that it's a book banning law. And the plaintiffs include uh, two Texas indie booksellers, Austin's Book People and Houston's Blue Willow Bookshop, together with the American Booksellers Association, the Association of American Publishers, the Authors Guild, and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. And those organizations are pretty busy at the moment, which we can talk a little more about uh, in a minute here. Uh, as you also point out, I think the most concerning part of the law, uh, at least according to this lawsuit, is its provision that mandates that basically any bookseller, any, quote, library material vendor, and that could include booksellers and potentially publishers, that they have to create and implement a rating system for books that can be sold into Texas schools and school libraries based on that book's sexual content. And at this point, I'll just take an opportunity to remind listeners that we actually spoke about this law uh, way back in 2022, in the fall of 2022, or what would become this law when that version first emerged in the Texas legislature, along with 800 other bills that were on tap for the 2023 legislative session. And while various groups, PEN America, for example, and all the major library associations were sounding the alarm about this law, it ended up making it through the legislature. And I think at some point it's going to be worth asking how that happened. Tell us more about the law's new book grading mandate, Andrew, and why it's so controversial. Yeah, so specifically among its provisions, the new law requires book vendors to review virtually every book that could be sold into a Texas school. Uh, and that includes both new books and books that is previously sold. So that's potentially tens of thousands of titles. And then they have to rate them under this vaguely articulated standard. Now, I think no rating is needed if a book has absolutely no sexual content, uh, but they still have to be reviewed, even if they ultimately don't get a rating. Books with sexual content will be rated either sexually explicit, that that standard is books that include material that would be deemed patently offensive by community standards or sexually relevant. And those books would be the books that portray virtually any kind of sexual conduct. But here's the thing. No one knows what any of that means. The standards are so vague. So how do you rate, for example, In the Night Kitchen? by Maurice Sendak, which is a picture book that my son actually loved. Uh, And it was pulled from the shelves in a Lano County library last year because it has a picture of a naked little boy, you know, in a dream state. Now there is nothing remotely sexual about that to any person, really, any sane person, but to some, 
it's apparently filthy, right? And apparently dangerous, and it has to be pulled from a library. So how do you handle a book like that? Is it sexually relevant, sexually explicit? What about a book that has, you know, a mention of two boys holding hands? That's something that else could be that could be banned in a Texas library. Anyway, under the law, booksellers are basically banned from selling books that are rated sexually explicit to schools. None whatsoever can go into Texas schools. And then books that are rated sexually relevant would be able to be accessed only with written parental consent. And here's where it gets even nuttier. The state actually has the power under this law to review and overrule the ratings for any reason. There's no transparency requirement for the state, and there's no appeals process. So if a bookseller or a publisher refuses to adopt the state's rating, they get blacklisted. They literally get put on a list, and they will be barred from selling into Texas public schools. And all of that, in effect, makes these ratings a state standard, right? Although it's a state standard where all the initial hard work and the burden of the law is basically outsourced to private vendors. But if the state says, rate these books, and then you come back and they say, okay, rate these books the way we tell you to rate them, there's no two ways about it. That's basically a state-imposed standard. In the lawsuit and in your reporting for PW, Andrew, Texas booksellers make clear they don't believe they can do what the law is asking them to do. The law is unconstitutional, booksellers and publishers in the suit insist. And besides, they say it's bad for business. Exactly right. Uh, The 28-page complaint claims that the law, which is set to take effect here on September 1st, is clearly unconstitutional for some of the reasons that we just talked about, because it imposes these sweeping, vaguely articulated content-based restrictions on readers, and it unduly burdens publishers and booksellers. If the law is allowed to take effect, the complaint claims, it would cause a recall of many books already in K-12 through public schools in Texas. It would cause bans of even more books. And the establishment of what the suit calls, and I'll quote the suit here, I wrote this down, an unconstitutional and unprecedented statewide book licensing regime that compels private companies and individuals to adopt the state's message or face government punishment. But the booksellers in the state, frankly, are shocked by how bad of a law this is for business. Uh, Valerie Curler, who's the owner of Blue Willow Books, uh, one of the plaintiffs in the suit, told PW that it is simply not viable for book vendors who, you know, to carry out what the law asks of them. They don't have the human capital or resources. Uh, It's a small independent bookshop, so they can't really do all the work that this law would have them do. Now, Curler's store runs hundreds of events a year, too, right? There's numerous visits to schools from authors, etc., and they derive about 20% of their annual revenue from schools. So it's kind of a big chunk of revenue for them. But the amount of marketing and awareness tied to those relationships that's now on the line, she says, simply can't be measured. They do work with children and teens and parents. The school business that they do basically anchors the bookstore. And now they could be potentially shut out of that unless they undertake this massive effort to review and rate books. And some booksellers in the state are specifically feeling targeted by the law. Lauren Pronger opened Chapter House Bookstore, which is a pop-up in Amarillo, a little more than a year ago. And that store focuses on selling what are essentially 
banned books in Texas, right? Uh, she calls them GSRM books, Gender, Sexual, and Romantic Minorities. Uh, these books are in demand in the community where these voices have not been previously widely available. And Pronger was hoping to become an official school vendor, but not now. There's no way because you know she basically can't afford to end up on the state's blacklist. So how does something that's this business unfriendly happen in Texas? Well, I think it kind of took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, Valerie Curler told PW she never thought the law would pass. And, you know, she said that for a state that calls itself one of the most business friendly states in America, hey, it brought, you know, that paragon of free speech, Elon Musk there, right? This law is one of the most business unfriendly laws, uh, Curler says, ever passed. Uh, in addition to being glaringly, flamingly, obviously, infringing on the freedom to read. It's just really, really bad for businesses in Texas. A Pen American report released in April puts Texas at the top of the list when it comes to state book bans. It's not surprising then that this headline-making lawsuit was filed in Austin. But the suit isn't the only one of its kind, which is setting up the fall to be a busy season for publishing industry lawyers. Yeah, that's exactly right. The lawsuit in Texas is the latest and probably the most high-profile suit but it is part of what is pretty clearly becoming an escalating legal counteroffensive that's being waged by freedom to read advocates along with publishers and booksellers in response to what we've been talking about for like most of the last two years, right? This politically motivated surge in book bans and state level legislative attacks on the freedom to read. Our listeners will recall that in June, a library led coalition of 18 plaintiffs, including the same industry associations that are now suing in Texas filed a federal lawsuit challenging a new Arkansas law. That law is known as Act 372, and it would, among its provisions, expose librarians and booksellers to criminal liability for making allegedly inappropriate books accessible to minors. We could have news on that front any day now, as that law is actually set to take effect on August 1st, and there's actually uh, a motion in play to block that law in Arkansas. So we may be talking about that next week. Uh, in February, the ACLU joined with librarians in Missouri to file a federal lawsuit over Senate Bill 775. That's another one of these school library obscenity laws that opponents say will, you know, force librarians to censor their collections also under the threat of imprisonment and fines. Uh, and in May, uh, Pen America and Penguin Random House joined forces with a group of authors and parents to sue school administrators in Escambia County, Florida, over the removal of allegedly inappropriate books from school libraries. And of course, in March, we talked about this case recently. Library advocates in Lano County celebrated a preliminary injunction in order that reinstated more than a dozen banned titles at their local public library and to stop future bans while that lawsuit proceeds. And in that order, federal judge Robert Pittman held that library leaders infringe the constitutional rights of their users by unilaterally removing these books that they deemed inappropriate or disagreed with. And I think there's some things in that suit that augur well that these laws, these obscenity laws in Texas and elsewhere, are also going to be found unconstitutional. But you never know. The Lano County order recently went before the Fifth Circuit on appeal, and the judges there who heard the appeal really did not seem to understand, gee, why can't the state just take these offensive books off the library shelves? And I listened to that hearing, 
And I was really quite alarmed by it. So you never know how these things are going to actually shake out once they get to court. But, you know, I think the point that I would take away from all of this is that once these laws get passed, the stakes obviously get raised. And so in the future, I hope the lesson here for the publishing and bookselling communities is to once again, spend a little more time and money lobbying to stop these laws from taking effect proactively, right? Stop them from ever getting passed in the first place, then having to spend the money and take the risk on lawyers having these laws overturned after the fact. Uh, But here's the other thing too, even if the courts in all these cases rule favorably for the freedom to read in these cases, as I expect they will, I'm not sure that in the end it's going to end this issue. In fact, I don't think it will, especially with the 2024 elections coming up. These these efforts have proven to be a fundraising bonanza for right-wing political groups, and they exist as like really strong conservative political messaging that activates a certain part of the base that gets people to the polls. And I just want to point out the reaction of the Texas Law's author, a state representative in Texas named Justin Patterson, who responded to the lawsuit that was filed there in Texas. I'm going to read his statement here. Having fought against sexually explicit content in schools for the past 18 months, I fully recognize that the far left will do anything to maintain their ability to sexualize our children. Patterson went on to say, I simply say, bring it with everything you have, because I don't want to hear any excuses when we put the final nail in the coffin of your woke agenda. Now, (laughs) I added the emphasis. I don't imagine Patterson would have said it that way. But look, you get my point. This is not exactly high-minded constitutional civic debate here, right? This is not about protecting children. This is about owning the libs when you're putting out a statement like that. So while I fully expect these laws to hit the wall in court, at least I hope they do, I think they will, uh, in the court of law where facts and the law actually matter, and the political discourse, I think these things are going to be, these challenges to the freedom to read are going to be here for a while. And lawyers are not going to be able to defend against that, I'm afraid. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on Velocity of Content, while artificial intelligence and machine learning aren't new concepts in copyright or technology, they are the top draws for the 2023 edition of the Copyright and Technology Conference, returning to Fordham Law School in New York City on Thursday, September 14th. Conference organizer Bill Rosenblatt has created a program that captures the copyright moment in a single day of panel discussions focused on AI, with bonus points for including the general counsel at OpenAI, the home of ChatGPT. As the volume of AI-generated content grows, Rosenblatt says, knowing whether published works are made by humans or created by machines will be increasingly important. In fact, the technologies that are being brought to bear other than content recognition for copyright purposes have their roots in deep faith detection and plagiarism detection. So it's pretty routine now in colleges and universities. For example, I teach at NYU and they do this at NYU to run a piece of code on some paper that student has written to see if it was plagiarized. You can obviously see how that could be applied to detection of AI-generated content. And in fact, some of the vendors of that uh, type of solution are trying to kind of branch out into AI detection. The challenges of AI-generated content, next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. 
Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to this program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening.